you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Scott, thanks very much. And right now on Fast, a red-hot finish to the week as investors, for today at least, feel like inflation's vice grip is loosening. And maybe that means the Fed will stop tightening the rate hike screws. Plus, it's about that time. Earnings season kicks off next week. Should you be banking on a rough ride or is the street just a little too bearish? And later, our chart of the week, a burger joint that burned investors last year but is shaking off that poor performance as we start. There's your hint right Love there, guys. I think I, 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 I'm I, Tyler I, Madison in for uh, Melissa Lee. There's no confusing the two of us. This is Fast Money <laughs> live from New York and the NASDAQ market side. On the desk tonight, Tim Seymour, Bronwyn Eisen, Bonwin Eisen, Steve Grasso, Jeff Mills. And we begin with a robust rally to close out the first week of the year. The Dow up 700 points, the S&P jumping over 2%, and NASDAQ closing up more than 2.5%. Major indexes ending the week higher. A seemingly Goldilocks jobs report today helping fuel the turnaround just strong enough, just weak enough, weaker wage growth, supporting the idea that inflation may be slowing just a bit, uh, and just maybe the Fed can get its uh, soft landing for the economy, something everybody seems to want. Host of names leverage to the consumer among this week's big winners, including Wynn, United uh, uh, Airlines, Ralph Lauren, Disney, and Ford, to name a few. But then just a short time ago, Macy's warned that its fourth quarter sales are expected to come in at the lower end of the range they previously gave the street. The stock dropping after hours. Tim, what did you learn this week? What do you make of First of all, Macy's I, news? Welcome, and it's a Goldilocks nice moment anytime it's we Goldilocks. have you on our desk. And, and the start of the year for apparel and retail and discretionary has been extraordinary. And if you think about the rallies uh, where some of these that are so reliant on the consumer on a day when is the job market really weakening? I, you know, I look at these payroll numbers, and I'm probably going to stand out in that I actually think this puts the Fed in line for 50 bips in February. What I mean by that is, yeah, the average since September was 247,000 payrolls, but we've only added about 120,000 in the labor force. I still think the job market tightens into the first quarter. And I think today's market dynamic was really a case of a weak ISM, a payroll number that gave equities all they needed. And it's not time to say the consumer is dead. And back to Macy's, look, they, they actually had given a pretty conservative guide on their 4Q. Uh, some of the things they also just said were related to inventory levels they're going to be getting back in line. Um, we know that actually their, their Cyber Monday, their Cyber Friday, whatever we're calling the stuff these days, were actually better than expected. So uh, Macy's, to me, is not a reason to be running for the door on those headlines, just to be clear. Um, I think the consumer has a little room to run. But I want to be clear that weaker and, and you know bad news is bad news. And, and and I don't think that today's number was that bad. It was bad I, news. I think, no. it was, I think it was a solid number, especially when you look at the wage growth. I don't think this takes the Fed uh, out of play in any way. And I actually think that equities are going to be a little disturbed by the reaction. I agree, I agree with, with Tim on the 50 bips, uh, sort of, because if you have quantitative tightening, which they said they're not backing off of, that's the equivalent of 25 bips. So if you have 25 and 25, you get your 50. You get it creatively, though. I think people are mostly looking for it with just 50 bips, just straightforward. Everyone's forgotten about QT. 
Yeah. QT is tightening. That is a big part of the of the uh, recipe here. It's and it doubled. So yeah. it's a big part of the recipe. It's a big part of tightening. So when you have 50, you have 75. When you have 25, you have 50. I would stay higher end retail. I would go Ralph Lauren, Tapestry, those areas I think are more insulated if we're talking retail specific. Bonwin, talk to me a little bit about the Fed. Should we believe what the Fed is saying? In other words, the the the, the, the minutes that came out said we're not going to take our foot off the brakes here all. this year at all. Not at all. Um, Listen, I think we're all in unison here. We're saying the Fed has been pretty clear in what they intend to do, but the markets don't seem to really buy into that at no. all. I mean, look look at the numbers yesterday. And and what the, the, the knee-jerk reaction that we saw yesterday versus today tells me that we still have not shifted to a focus on earnings and possible revisions downward. We're still squarely focused on the Fed. The only people that are unsure of the market seemingly are investors. The Fed has come out and said what their plan is. It's going to be hawkish. They said it in the minutes. They've reiterated it. We've had Bullard say the same thing, Kaskari say the same thing, but the markets seem to want to do what they want to do. Now, I can understand that you've seen probably a little bit of pressure taken off the services sector. Uh, you've seen some pressure taken off in terms of like wage growth, and those things are positive. But again, one data point doesn't make a trend. And where the Fed has been steadfast in is that they will need to see a downward trend before any possibility in of inflation. reversal. Correct. In inflation. Correct. A real downward trend. Correct. You got a little bit of that didn't you, Jeff Mills, uh, today with respect to the uh, wage growth or the income growth numbers? A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, a, a little bit. But this reaction feels like all of these knee-jerk reactions we've had over the past couple of quarters where you get a light inflation print and the market runs and then all of a sudden we run out of gas because we realize the Fed is going to stay on its current trajectory and we also have an economic growth problem and an earnings growth problem to Bonneman's point. And I also think it's, I want to be very clear that even with this data today, the labor market is too tight, to Tim's point. You still have over 10 million job openings. The quit rate is elevated. Initial claims have actually come down. So this all still threatens higher wage numbers here going forward. And I think that's what the Fed is paying close attention to. And also, let's remember that the employment data, that's a lagging indicator relative to the economy. We got ISM services today. That was in contractionary territory. That's what we should be focusing on. And we should also be focusing on the consequences of the tighter monetary policy that we've already seen. And that's going to be found in the economy, in earnings as we're going forward. I think that's the biggest story here. Let's talk a little bit about the consumer where we started, Tim, uh, showing some of those consumer names like United, uh, like Ralph Lauren, uh, some of the other ones. Everybody was say, has been saying the consumer is tapped out. The consumer doesn't have the stimulus money coming into their pockets. Uh, but these number, these stock reports this week, the action today, or the, the stock market action today, has been pretty favorable to them. If the consumer has a job, let's be clear, and I know there's this debate, can you go into a recession with the unemployment rate near all-time lows? And, and if the consumer is employed, I think there's a limit. I, I do think what we're hearing from companies is that consumers are trading down. We are hearing from companies, even some of the Staples companies we've heard over the last couple Days. Conagra was one. Um, input costs are, are, are catching up uh, to where they've been able to actually price ahead, but that they're going to be continuing to raise prices. I, I just think, and I, I on the show uh, yesterday, I talked about how I even shorted a little bit of a Nike, which I think is a great name, but I just think the consumer discretionary names have had a great run. I, I want to be a little bit more tactical in there, even though I don't think the consumer's dying tomorrow. Let's talk a little bit about earnings coming up this week. You want to take it away? Uh, we've got banks coming up. The question to me is, if tech isn't going to play, and if banks aren't going to play, can the market make headway in 2023? So tech is just too big of a part of the market. For them not to play, the market can't go forward. Energy is too small a segment of the market to actually keep the market going. 
But Mike Mayo pointed out something I thought was really interesting. Recession-ready banks. This is the most recession-ready that they've ever been. And I think people are discounting them. I'm looking for the financials to outperform. So that's my pick next week. Well, I'll just say a quick time. I mean, the, the banks are outperforming. They're outperforming now. And if you look at actually J.P. Morgan, it's outperforming the XLF, but that the XLF has outperformed the S&P by about 14 percent since October. So it, it's strange when people all they do is talk about the inverted yield curve and the credit concerns. And I think um, it's interesting going into bank earnings towards the end of next week. We've often gone into these earnings with banks having been caned or, or really under a lot of pressure. And I actually think banks will continue to run. I think it's very bullish overall for the short term for the market. Monowin? Yeah, I was going to say they, they have already had a run to an extent and their betas are much lower than the market or a lot of other pockets, particularly technology and energy, some of the other names that we're looking for leadership for or expansion for. Um, and you know what? I, I think even if they lead, and, and I agree, there's no denying they are in a much better situation than they were during the last uh, downturn. But I think some of that is being priced in. And you've seen this flight from these growthy names today aside to value. So value has, has had its run. I think really the risk is that if the banks come out and say something that they're provisioning more or, or net interest um, income hasn't grown as expected, to me, that that would be the concern. I think a lot of the positive news is priced into these are, shares. Are there are there any bank names that you like a lot more than any others? You mentioned I think J P Morgan. J P Morgan has outperformed right. from from every metric that you can throw <clears throat> at J P Morgan in the financials. They've outperformed in every timeline. And obviously, coming out of the financial crisis, J P Morgan was in a in a spot to succeed. They've continued to succeed thus far. Yeah, I, I know it's crazy. To, some of the European banks, too, UBS is returning 11% of cash to shareholders. It's a high-yielding company. It's a company that actually has rates go higher in Europe. Those European banks are more levered to higher rates. And actually, I know it seems crazy to be investing. But again, you're investing in a not, it's not a Deutsche Bank. It doesn't have major credit. It's an asset manager. I think it's a good spot. Jeff, you have the disadvantage of not being at the table. But I'm going to recognize you anyway. Is there a bank you love more than any uh, other? And is there a bank that you would avoid more than any other? So I think for me, it's all about credit quality, because I do think that the economy is going to continue to slow. I think recession is a real risk. So, you know, I think a Bank of America, for example, I think their credit quality is particularly good. And then just from a chart perspective, I know we said it, but JP Morgan, it's approaching that 140 level. That was that pre-COVID high. I will be interested to see if that services resistance. And I think, you know, just generally speaking, I've been somewhat negative on banks. And I wonder if the outperformance we've seen here going into earnings, you know, isn't a bad thing and some good news uh, hasn't been priced in already. Uh, but the the charts are interesting. Look, KBE, the bank ETF, it's holding the line at that 45 level. Um, but at the same time, you're still playing below that downtrend, that downward sloping 200-day moving average. So, you know, for me, I, I'm trying to avoid cyclicality. Uh, so avoiding banks is part of that. As we head into, let's go round robin here, as we head into uh, earnings next week, uh, some of them are, are, a lot of them are banks, regional banks, among others. There are a couple of uh, consumer names like WD-40, one of my favorite products of all time. Oh, it's got to be, right? <laughs> we, right. I mean, what you else? Can you can use it on everything. Yeah. Yeah. I used to just spray it on a little, you know, food. I, you know, it's good. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, now, it's much better. You know, like Drinking nice bleach. And, and it's also gluten-free. <laughs> it's gluten-free, which is always great, too. It's vegan. It's the right. whole thing. Mm. Is there a name Delicious. that you like? Uh, from whatever sector heading into earnings? Well, Citibank, to me, is, again, a much maligned bank. I think they are going to outperform based upon what's been going on in, in some of the core business on the lending side, commercial lending. But, but I, you know, I, I look at Delta Airlines. Airlines have started to make a move. They've certainly been under a lot of pressure. We've gotten a lot of uh, pre-guidance and some numbers out of Delta. I don't think any surprises there. I think airlines continue to run. How about you, Monwin? Uh, it doesn't have to be out of these, this group that's reporting next week. 
Uh, well, well, I'll play the game fairly. The game. Let's right. let's not color outside the lines here. Right. We get punished for that around here. So uh, uh, UNH, I'm going to stick. And you've there. never done that either. Ever, you've not never, ever, never ever get slapped on the outside the, the line. No, no. <laughs> of course not. Uh, I'm going to stick with UNH. I think it's a high quality name. It's had some weakness going forward, but really, this is the sector or subsector that I want to be in. I think Southwest really afforded the airline space, to Tim's point. What did it afford it? Well, it afforded them a, a, the a ability disaster. to get to get a, pre, a pre-sell-off before they actually get into yeah. the thick of it. So I think the, it took a lot out of these equity names, and I think you're going to see a lot of them bounce because they've been battered going into the Prince. All right, Jeff, you get the last word here. What stock do you like next week? So listen, the last the last word is a disadvantage. Bonowin took my UNH. You know, it's been sort of a relative underperformer of late after such a great run. So I want to hear what they have to say. Um, again, that's a place that I want to be as well because I think the earnings are more stable. But KB Homes is an interesting one. You know, housing uh, really scrutinized clearly for good reason. Uh, and oftentimes housing is the first to bottom as things recover. So I want to hear what they have to say. Yeah, a lot of people are going to watch housing this year because it's going to be very hard for the market to turn, in my view, if housing does not. Uh, And it certainly has been in the doldrums for quite a while. All right, coming up, uh, big biotech news. The FDA slapping its seal of approval on one Alzheimer's drug, sending shares of Biogen higher. We've got more on that next. That's news of the day, plus chart of the week. One stock is on a roll as we kick off the new year. Ooh, that's a clue. Those trades and more when Fast Money Routines. That's a team. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. And welcome back to Fast Money, everybody. Shares of Biogen higher after the FDA granted the drug maker and its partner, ASI, accelerated approval for the breakthrough Alzheimer's treatment they've been working on. Our Meg Terrell joins us now for an exclusive interview with ASI U.S. CEO Ivan Chung. Meg, take it away. Tyler, thanks so much. Ivan, thank you for being with us on a really big day. Tell us what your expectations are of what the access for patients and the uptake of this drug is going to look like in the earliest days. As as of right now, we know there's no Medicare coverage just yet. Thank you, Mick, for having me on uh, uh, on this show. Uh, this is uh, 
an important and uh, humble day for uh, the Alzheimer's disease uh, community. As you said, yes, uh, this is an accelerated approval. Per the CMS policy, restrictions will be here for access for the Medicare beneficiaries until full traditional approval can be granted. And that's exactly why, Meg, as you and I speak now, the ASI team is working hard to file uh, the application for full traditional approval here uh, in Friday evening so that uh, as soon as possible upon the full traditional approval by the FDA, uh, we can work with uh, the CMS to grant broader access for Medicare beneficiaries. So you say they're working on it right now. When do you expect that full approval application actually to be in? Actually, very soon. Um, so um, stay tuned. Very, very soon. Okay. As we and after that, what is the timeline uh, going to... Sorry, were you going to say something else? As we speak, very, very soon. As we speak. What is the timeline then to get Medicare to sort of change its co current coverage decision? Yeah, Meg, what we're going to do is... Um, while uh, we send this uh, full approval application into the FDA, uh, we will be working with the CMS and asking the CMS to go through uh, the phase three data simultaneously with the FDA review. So that upon the FDA approval for under the traditional pathway, uh, we are hopeful that the CMS can act very quickly. So uh, um, we are hoping by end of this and calendar year, we may hear from the CMS. I see. End of this calendar year, potentially changing that. Um, given yes. the price is twenty six thousand uh, dollars, you know, on average uh, for patients per year, um, and given that you are the first to show this more clear clinical benefit in a, a um, clinical trial, but there is some debate about that, and there are some questions about safety. What do you expect the adoption of this drug to look like? Um, I think uh, first and foremost, the most important thing is the uh, coverage by uh, the CMS. So in the uh, initial months, uh, we will be very working very hard on getting the health systems and the patient journey ready. And upon the uh, CMS um, uh, granting access, then we will expect uh, uptick uh, to really kick in from that point on. See, Ivan Chung, there's a lot more to discuss, and we'd love to have you back to talk about more of it. We appreciate you being here with us tonight and making some news potentially, hinting that that full approval application coming very soon. Thank you so much. All right, Meg, thank you very much as well, and to Ivan as well. And don't miss Meg Terrell's interview with the Biogen CEO Monday right here on CNBC. Big week of interviews from the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference ahead. Let's trade it, Bono, and your, own, your take on healthcare and on how much this drug might help, for example, Biogen, because this drug, as I understand it, is um, effective for a rather limited percentage of the people who have Alzheimer's, specifically individuals who are at a very early stage in the disease. Yes, I, I understand that. I understand the concerns around efficacy and, and uh, some of the risk posed, but I would juxtapose that to the situation that they had coming into this, which is a scrutiny that they received over the previous FDA, FDA approval. So the fact that this was fast-tracked, and this seems, and you're seeing the stock price, the fact that this seems to be moving forward in a positive direction, despite some of the parameters that you mentioned, to me says that this has been vetted perhaps more than we are willing to give credit for because of previous, previous instances. Going forward, I think, you know, between this, Nash, you've seen some of the other stuff in, 
and biotech. I think this kind of sets up one positively for bio uh, for biogen, two for healthcare as an overall sector. One, it's going to give you the protection uh, that you need defensive from a defensive standpoint into a down market. Also, from a more uh, biotech standpoint, it's going to give you some of the upside beta that you might want if you are looking for a more barbell approach to your portfolio. Any thoughts, guys? I'd say simply on, on Biogen right here, this news was out in, maybe in late September. I mean, the cognitive decline study was something that rocketed that stock from 200 to 280. I, you know, at this point, uh, it, it's great news. A lot's priced into the stock. I think people are a little concerned that Biogen at some point has a pipeline issue and is going to have to do some M&A. So I, I wouldn't be chasing this news, even though, uh, obviously, an exciting day for the world. This, this is something where we were talking about COVID for so long. We're not talking about COVID. So I think that's the overarching thing. But if you're going to buy one of these names, buy the top four names. Make your own ETF because it's too binary, both up and down. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, Up next, we've got uh, your red hot sizzling chart of the week. Any guesses on what it could be? We will reveal the name. Sizzling. Sizzling. (laughs) And later on Options Action, a face off in financials, energy, emerging markets and ETF battle royale. You're watching Fast Money live from the Nasdaq market site. We will be back after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time now for our chart of the week. Uh, one name putting up some juicy gains. Let's reveal it. <laughs> it is Shake Shack. Uh, shares uh, in rally mode this week, up more than 11%. So is the burger joint a buy here? Jeff Mills, what do you think of Shack? So, Tyler, Steve and I, last week on the show, we did our New Year's resolutions for 2023. Mine was no dumpster diving. And, you know, I think with a stock like Shaq, it's, it's tempting to want to buy it down 65% with the price to sales near historic lows. But, you know, for me, it's not profitable. And that's the most important thing. Even if you go out to 2025, estimated earnings, the PE still 180 times or thereabouts. So I just think fast growers without earnings aren't for me right now. I don't hate the company. I don't hate the business. I just don't think it's for this market. And you're seeing other names like Wayfair or Beyond, you know, these stocks that were on the mat, maybe not profitable. They're getting a bump. So I don't know how company specific some of these moves are here. And I think they fade. Likes the burgers, maybe doesn't like the stuff. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that stock. I, I like McDonald's. And, and if you look across the, the street, UBS, Barclays, Oppenheimer, they all took their price targets down in Shaq. I, I think it's a terrible chart. Equally as bad as Domino's in the quick serve space. But I'd stay with the old, you know, tried and true McDonald's. Shaq O'Neal or Shake Shack? Well, it's a terrible commentary on me as a parent that the only protein my son will eat are chicken McNuggets. Um, and he won't. I wish he would go to Shake Shack. I love Shake Shack. But I don't like the cost pressures and I don't like the, the strategy and growth has to slow down here. You are paying for a growth stock. So I kind of agree with these guys. I, I like the story. Randy Garuti's a friend of the show. I think they're doing a great job, but not the time to chase it. Bonwin, any thoughts here? I wish I had something new to say, but I'm I'm also not dumpster diving. I'm not eating carbs. It's the beginning of the year. Oh, you're <laughs> no being brick. so obvious. Look at no you. So obvious, Bonwin. Look at you. <laughs> I love it. All right, should we do some final trades? I don't know who goes first here. Let's I guess. Do that. Let's go around the horn, starting with you, Jeff. So take a look at Lulu. I think it could fill that gap up at 375. I have my issues with retail, but for trade, Lulu. All right, Lulu, Tim, you're next. I think I heard about an ETF bonanza on options action. That's something I'm going to stick around and watch for. But EEM, emerging markets breaking out weaker dollar today. Again, you're above the 200 on the EEM. Sure, Charter has something to say about that for the first time since July of 2021. I like emerging markets in 23. Bonwin? 
I was a little early on this one, KB Homes, and I might uh, live through get this one as well. But I think this the sector has just been beaten up quite a bit. And if you're looking for an upside play, I think uh, they're pretty cheap here. All right, and that that one's coming out next week. We've got some earnings coming out. I think it's Wednesday of next week. Mr. Grasso, Netflix, an incredible pop off of that 280 something number. It's at 315 now. I'm looking for another 10 percent higher. All right, what are we, Tyler? Doing? Thank you for joining us. Hey, By the way, giving up your Friday for us. It's like, I feel like I passed the ball. Special yeah. it. It's great stuff. Nice. You get the shots off. <laughs> you're dishing the rock, and All you're doing right. a great job. All right, guys, thanks so much. We appreciate it, and thank you for watching Fast Money. Don't go anywhere because options action will come up right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGM, a leading global asset manager.